You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today was going to be the day we broke down the Carlisle Presser and revealed our big boards heading into the draft, but the Carlisle Presser has not happened yet. Pacers coming back from the uh, NBA draft camp uh, up in Chicago, the draft combine, excuse me. Uh, they have their first workouts on Wednesday, so no idea what's going on with uh, when Carlisle will be in town, when they can actually schedule the presser. We will share those thoughts as the time comes. But the other thing we were going to do this week in conjunction with that, so be on the lookout for that later this week, big board reveal plus more Carlisle presser thoughts. The other thing we were going to do this week is the calendar turns to July in just two days. So this that that's when free agency talk really ramps up, right? It's a month away. We were going to do our player recaps, but we were going to do the free agents, the unrestricted free agents on the team, and really start to do a free agency preview through the eyes of the Pacers. So TJ McConnell, Jakar Sampson, and Doug McDermott. So today today's episode is about TJ McConnell's season and his upcoming free agency. His is really interesting. Deciding between him and McDermott is going to be one of the bigger questions for this summer, if that actually happens. But the way we do this is, the, the, the if you've been keeping up with the player season recaps, is we start by finding one word to describe the player season and then discussing their stats and then moving on to their good and bad skills that we saw development from in their season. And then what comes next is in the third segment. That's where I'll really hammer into free agency and my thoughts on it for TJ McConnell's free agency. And I could not think of a better word to describe TJ McConnell's 2020-21 NBA season than pesky because he was very pesky this season. Ridiculous steals guy. 1.9 per game in 26 minutes. Ridiculous. 128 steals on the season in 69 games. That led the league. He didn't even play in every game, and he led the league in total steals in the NBA. He was a pest. He took the ball from everybody. He had one of those inbound pass steals every game. He got a steal that got the Pacers out in transition every game. He was I almost chose engine here. He was the engine that got the team going, but the peskiness really is what made him so valuable to me. Like His defensive stuff can was sometimes more valuable than his offensive stuff a lot of times really uh, that kind of stuff turned the game so pesky was my word for him and that's the stuff that stands out in the stats for me is the big steal jump for him from 0.8 per game last year to 1.9 this year 56 total in 2019-20 again 128 this year per 36 minutes he had 1.5 last year 2.6 this year career high by quite a bit his steal percentage jumped up to 3.4 which led the NBA he had uh, his first year as a Pacer, he was at two, right? So that was the biggest jump for him statistically. And I think that's interesting because you look at a lot of his per game stats, right? And he's been within six and seven points his whole career. And then this year he jumps up to 8.6 and that looks great. And his assists, he's been, you know, in that five to four to four to six range, basically his whole career. And then he's 6.6 this year, right? So it looks like he's jumping up in all these stats. His rebounds go up, but his minutes went up by a bunch too. The 26 minutes per game was the most he's ever played. When you go down to McConnell's per 36s, this kind of surprised me, right? Because we all know he had a really good, big impact this year. He was a big part of the Pacers bench. As usual, per 36 minutes, his rebounding numbers were basically identical from last year to this year. His assist numbers were down. 9.6 assists per 36 his first year in the Pacers, 9.1 this year. His points were down. 12.6 his first year, 11.9 his second year. Really, the only big jump was those steals, right? So statistically, pretty similar seasons the first year and second year. But, I mean, 
when he has a good impact in short minutes, when he's playing more minutes and applying that same impact, that's still a good thing, right? So McConnell stretched out his impact over more minutes, proved that he can do more, got to play in some closing lineups. That said, I think some of the reason his stats dropped is you look at his usage rate from year one in Indiana, which was 17.5 to his second year, 15.3, and you see why some of those stats fell. He, in turn of closing games, he was playing alongside Oladipo at the beginning of the season or Karis LeVert or Malcolm Brogdon or a variety of those guys and Sabonis and he's not having the ball as much right that was actually a big criticism of Bjorkren often from people I saw on Twitter and sometimes it was right and sometimes it was wrong is that McConnell was in the game mostly for defensive purposes but then on offense he's just in the corner being unguarded completely so his usage was down he played more minutes which was good and he stretched out his impact without dropping off after one minute that's always good that's always a sign that maybe a guy is in a too small of a role so he should you know, be in that 25-minute range if he's back with the Pacers next year. He proved that he can be good for that long. But his stats are kind of wonky because despite playing more, he actually finished possessions a lot less. His 15.3 usage rate, lower than his rookie year, about in line with his last year in Philly, much lower than his first year with the Pacers. So it kind of messes with his stats. Like, he was more efficient by a mile, 58% true shooting. Uh, that's above average for the first time his of his career and a career high. Uh, so, so certainly improvement statistically in many areas. Uh, it's just weird because he played a lot more, and usually when you think of McConnell, he has the ball a lot, and he's the engine of the offense. But really this year, he played a lot more, and in a lot of the minutes he got additionally, he was a more of a defensive pest but off-ball role while he conceded to the guys who have more of a pull-up game. But that was where another stat that, that he just blew me away. Before the season, I said the stat to watch for McConnell is going to be that 3-10 to 10 footer that's so vague. But you know you know that shot I'm talking about. He gets in deep and then he turns around and takes like the five-foot fadeaway. You know, his whole career in Philly, from three to ten feet on basketball reference, he was less than 50%, right? So that's like an okay shot. Late in shot clocks especially, it's pretty much a good shot. But he took a lot of them. Right? His first year with the Pacers, almost a quarter of his shots are from that range, right? And he hit him okay. He hit him 57% clip his first year with the Pacers. And I thought, man, that's unsustainable. He can't continue at that volume that's really dangerous this year he ups the volume 34 percent of his shots from there keeps hitting them he shoots better at the rim still shoots about a third of his shots at the rim so he basically just cut out the longer mid-rangers and he still can bury this five footer that was another big thing for him that allowed him to be effective on the ball is that he has a sh- that floater range shot you know i always talk about the floater opening up games for guards that certainly happened with mcconnell even though it's not a floater it's a little different where he gets in deep and then stops turns around and does a fadeaway he had that and the last statistical thing he added a little bit of a three, uh, not a lot of bit of a three, because he shot more threes in Philly than he did with the Pacers. I think he kind of realized under McMillan, or McMillan, you know, who never really encouraged guys to shoot threes, but he shouldn't be shooting them. He only took 17 the entire season his first year with the Pacers, took 48 this year. That's more than his last season in Philly, and he hit a few of them, right? He got good at that corner three. He hit that clutch three against, I forget who I think it was, the Hawks, but I can't remember in retrospect. Got that number up, 31.3%. Not good. Not a good percentage, but respectable enough that if it's just like one corner three per game, you live with it, which is a big statistical improvement and skill improvement for him. So let's talk about his skills. Where he grew in, what does he need to get better at, what limitations does he have with his size, and how does it blend into what the Pacers need and have? Because again, he's a free agent. That's a big deal, right? What what he is good and not good at is very important. So let's talk about that. But first, it's Tuesday. You guys know what Tuesday is, right? I got to pick a Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And usually I have to really think about this or think about the playoffs or something. But when I'm doing a player season recap, it's very easy. TJ McConnell is this week's Michelob Ultra 
Player of the Week. You can hear him on uh, JJ Reddick's podcast if you want to hear some McConnell content in the offseason. I think he talks about Bjorken in there. I haven't actually listened to that yet. I'm very behind on my podcast these days, but that doesn't matter. McConnell had a wonderful season with the Pacers. Certainly cemented that he is a quality reserve point guard who can fill spot starter minutes and close games at times, despite having some holes in his game. It's a, he's a joy to watch, and Mikola Baltra is also a joy. Joy, happiness, and enjoyment are the things that you'll experience when you drink a Mikola Baltra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, at an, and with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, Mikola Baltra, you will enjoy it. Joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Try a Mikola Baltra today. So McConnell's skills are hard to assess because he's one of those players that the stuff he's good at, he does a lot, right? Get into the lane, stop, break the defense, pass it out to a shooter, bam, bucket. That's a good play. That's a really good play. That's the whole point of the NBA, right? The Pacers love those paint touches last year. You know, right, when you get your feet in the paint with the ball in your hands, you collapse the defense, bam, you set up a bucket for your team. McConnell's great at that. That's a good NBA skill to have. He's good at getting into the paint in general. You know, not the greatest finisher. He's got that move I just talked about, and his shooting percentage at the rim is good. But he doesn't really take, like, contested twos that often, I would say. Uh, He takes more open ones. So, you know, he's a good finisher, I would say, for his size, but not in the scheme of the NBA. But on offense, that's the stuff he does. That's pretty much it. He's not a shooter at all. Like, outside of the paint, and from three, I talked about 31.3%. It's, like, okay enough to take one a game. He took .7 a game, but he's not a shooter. 15 feet and out, he's useless, right? So that's what that the, the complaints were legit from people on Twitter who were talking about, like, what is Bjorkern doing having McConnell in the game, especially if they're just going to spam Levert's bonus pick and rolls down the stretch. And I, I think there's some some good thought to that, right? You Subbing defense offense is really hard in the NBA, and McConnell should be in on defense. He was fantastic on defense this year. He got steals all the time. He was a pest who made his man give the ball up all the time. That's valuable. That's good in crunch time. But his offensive stuff, when he, does, he sometimes he did have the ball. And they'd Karras be a secondary creator or Brogdon or whoever. But other times he'd just stand in the corner and he's useless. It's like you just put a cone or a chair there and it will have the same net effect because he just is unguarded, right? So his lack of jump shot is a big problem for him. And it's a reason he's still a backup. It's a reason he isn't even – well, he played over half of the game this year in terms of minutes. But for most of his career, uh, he for his career, he's 22 minutes per game, right? He plays under half the game. Because he's limited. There are a lot of situations where you can't play him. And on defense, he's a pest, right? The inbound steals are wonderful plays. Wonderful plays. They change the game all the time, right? Especially because I don't know if he... I'm sure he does this. I've never really talked to him about it. But it seems like the times he goes for it are like the Pacers run out on a breakaway. And they get a momentum bucket, right? Oh, they got a steal and a run out and they score. And then the other team's just looking to get the ball in really quick and get back and get the momentum back. And that's when he realizes, like, that's the time to do it. Because I swear it was always – I swear the McConnell play was always, like, a momentum bucket, and then he would get the steal and they'd get a bigger momentum bucket and the crowd's going crazy and their team has to call a timeout. Like, I swear that happened all the time because there were so many timeouts in Pacers games where McConnell's just, like, hype on the court because he just got four points in, like, two seconds. So he's great at timing those. They're huge plays. He's a pest when guarding other guards, but he's small, so he can't really switch – 6'1", 190 pounds, he can't switch really anything. Uh, he could maybe guard some twos credibly. But he, does, you know, he doesn't have really any interior presence as a defender. So if there's any size disadvantage he has, he really struggles in those ways. And if, the other, you know, if, the, if there's no steal opportunity or if he's guarding off the ball, he doesn't have a lot of value because of a short size. Smart guy on the court, right? We've seen that he can set up stuff on offense. And 
I talk about this with other players. Like, if you can read the patterns on offense well, that typically translates to defense well. He jumps a lot of passing lanes, right? So his off-ball defense is pretty good. But, again, when, when you're limited in size so much, there's only so much impact you can have on that end of the floor. So he's basically got, like, a 10-foot radius. That's too big. He's got about a 7-foot radius on offense where he's effective. And then on defense, he's, he's better on the ball and, and is a pest. But there's a lot of in-between stuff where McConnell – because he only does the stuff that he's good at a lot in games, really limits what, what your team can do, right? We see that all the time when, when uh, you know, I already talked about closing games, but there are times when just like if he doesn't have it, the Pacers bench just looks useless, right? They can't get the two-man game with McDermott running. They can't get their shooters going. They're really relying on him. And, you know, other guys can't get going then because he has the ball so much, right? with the second units. I know his, I said his usage rate was down this year, but there are times where he has the ball so much that like, if he doesn't have it that night or if he can't get it going, it really stalls out the groups that he's in with. It forces them to rely more on Aaron Holiday, which didn't work well for them this season, or, or other starting guards. So certainly it's, it's an interesting thing to talk about when you assess a player's skills is that he's got a lot of stuff he's really good at, and he basically only does those things when he's playing. That sounds like a good thing, and it is a good thing, really. If you can't shoot, don't shoot, right? If you can't defend on the interior, don't switch and get on the interior, right? He, he's good about being in situations where he can have his impact, and that's why he's able to be so effective for 26 minutes a game. But when you can't do things because of your size or because of your abilities, lack of jump shot, then you're limited in general on what you can do when you're, when you're not able to impact the game in ways that you can because there's going to be times when you're in the game where you have to do stuff that you're not good at and it's it's rare for him that, that those situations happen and that's where you know he that's why he's a bench player that's why he will always be a bench player in the nba because he has so many of those limitations he's not an elite defender he's a good defender but he's not an elite defender he's not an elite driver right he, he's a good setup man but he's not elite at anything he's good at a lot of stuff and he does them a lot but he's not elite at anything so he'll probably never be a starter the only time he was a starter was on a terrible 76ers team. They were tanking on purpose, basically, at that stage. They went 28 and 54. So I think McConnell's really good, and I think that there are reasons the Pacers would like to have him back, and I'll talk about those in a minute. But I think that a lot of the reason he's so good, or so effective, I think is the right word here, is because the way he plays, he's able to do the stuff he's good at a lot. And a lot of players like centers and wings don't have that luxury as much at all because they don't dominate the ball as much. And he is not often asked to do stuff he's not good at, but the stuff he's not good at limits the amount of time you're able to play him and the amount of lineups you're able to put him in, right? With other ball dominant guys like Levert closing games, but it, like even over the even in the second quarter, it's problematic when he's in there with you know two of Levert and Brogdon or Aaron Holiday or whoever, because those guys need the ball to do some of their stuff as well. So, what is next for T.J. McConnell? Free agent, coming off his two-year, seven million, I think, dollar deal, three and a half million per season. Yes, that's correct. I have these numbers memorized. I don't need to ever doubt myself. So let's talk about his free agency. He's the first guy we're doing for our free agent profiles, Jakar and McDermott coming up later this week. And we're going to start next week, I believe. Yes. Next week, we'll start doing free agent and offseason look aheads for the Pacers, right? Stars they can get point and we'll go by position like we always do for free agency, break down what the Pacers can do, especially with their own guys. So let's start with McConnell. What should the Pacers attempt to do with him? What makes sense? What what does he bring to the team that's so valuable? But first, got to talk about two awesome groups of people. The first one, the great folks over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They've got everything over at betonline.ag. I'm looking at it right now. Baseball, basketball, football, golf, hockey, martial arts, horse racing, you name it. They've got it. They've got the NBA stuff up for the playoffs, including some WNBA, Atlanta Dream, New York Liberty on there, and then Hawks, Bucks, 
game four. Bucks favored by seven points. I'm sure Trey Young's injury baked in there a little bit. They won by double digits in game three. That looks pretty appealing. You can get in on all the action before the next pitch, before the next game tips. Head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great games you can play over on the site. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action. Betonline.ag. Head over to the website today on your computer or mobile device. Sign up. And when you create your account, if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, when you sign up, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And let's also talk about Rock Auto. They're bringing you this episode, and with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts stores to stock all the parts you need for your car or truck. you got to endure the stupid questioning at the counter. It feels intimidating because the guy knows way more about your car than you and the specifications. And then you got to wait there while that guy orders the parts, and you just stand there, and then you have to come back. And then you hope that their warehouse happens to carry it. It's a pain. You know what's not a pain? RockAuto.com. Right at your house or in your pocket. It's a website you can use to get all these parts in one place. Why spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same auto parts when you can get them for cheaper at rockauto.com? They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are always reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need. Go explore their easy-to-use website today. Find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right. TJ McConnell is a free agent. Perhaps, depending on your opinions of Doug McDermott, the most important Pacers free agent. I have landed on the opposite side of that. I think McDermott is the more important guy to bring back. We could do a whole podcast on McConnell versus McDermott. And that is an important distinction because me favoring McDermott means I would be, unless McDermott declines my offer, me bringing McConnell back is a little more situation-based. But let's talk about it. Two years, seven million. He got paid three point five million last year. The Pacers can pay McConnell basically a four-year, fifty million dollar deal is the max they can give him while staying over the cap. That'd be a huge overpay. I'm not advocating for that deal. I'm just saying, even though the Pacers are over the cap, they have his early bird rights, which means they can afford him no matter what. The unless some team just grossly overpays McConnell, the Pacers can match any deal another team pays. Right. So money is not an option. Seeing him walk to another team if they really want him back is not a factor. So what is he worth to the Pacers? First of all, you could argue, and correctly probably last year, he was the sixth man of the year. He was their best guy off the bench all season, right? They dealt through tons of injuries. He only missed games when he had a kid, right? He was super healthy all season. I think he only missed one game due to injury, and he missed two games due to the birth of his child. He was really useful for the second unit. He's really good at a lot of stuff, and he only does the stuff he's good at, which has a lot of positive value. We just talked about all that. He's really valuable to the team, and point guard is a super important position, right? I always talk about this too on this show. The mo- like teams always get better when their lead ball handler position gets better, obviously. And McConnell being a good second unit point guard really helps the Pacers, right? Part of the reason they grew uh, when they, they switched a lot of stuff, but from Darren Carlson to Corey Joseph to Brogdon to McConnell is their lead ball handlers got better, and Sabonis got better, and he hit the ball a lot too. But you know that was a big part of that. So he has a lot of value to the Pacers, and having a reliable second unit point guard is super important. And we don't know that Aaron Holiday can do that yet. It looked like his sophomore year he might be able to. And then last year now it's looking like he might not be able to. So if you lose McConnell, you have to get someone else. So what should the Pacers do? They need. I think they need a backup point guard. I really think they do. So McConnell's a good choice. But if you spend the money on him, then it's really hard to keep McDermott or hard to use your MLE or BAE or whatever because they're, they're riding so close to the tax. 
and he will probably cost, I'm guessing here, and I'll tell you why I'm guessing this number, about $7 million. So let's talk about that number, $7 million for T.J. McConnell. That sounds pretty fair to me, but my basis for that is this. Last summer's free agency, 2020 free agency, and using the most recent free agents is the best way to do this because it's the closest to the salary cap you'll get now. And the salary cap growth might go up because this playoffs has been awesome and there's been more gate revenue than the NBA predicted, but it's not looking like it's going to go up a ton going into next season. So let's look at some guards who, who are close to McConnell's level of impact, or at least were last summer heading into free agency. DeAnthony Melton in Memphis, restricted free agent, so maybe a little suppressed value here, but he got four years... 34 and a half million basically that's about eight and a half million per year and melton was probably better than mcconnell this year ever so slightly but that that's a close one that's a little above what i'd expect mcconnell to get but that's a close one another one that i like a lot is dj augustine with the bucks uh, he was traded mid-season ultimately but dj augustine is one that's interesting to me he was in the pj tucker deal he got three years 21 million and Augustine every other year is really good, right? He was coming off of one of his really good years heading into this free agency. So he was one of the highest valued backup point guards on the market last summer. That makes a lot of sense to me as a good facsimile for McConnell's value, that three-year $21 million deal. Augustine's a very different player than McConnell. He's a shooting reserve guard. He's not a distributor. He's not nearly the defender McConnell is, but shooting's really valuable in the NBA. So I'd say that value's close, maybe three for 20 would be closer for McConnell deal. Rajon Rondo got two years, $15 million with some light guarantees on the second year. I think McConnell is better than Rondo, but you know Rondo has some championship pedigree. He got traded midseason. He got overpaid because of his experience, but that's another close one. That's a good one as well, $7.5 million. So there's some decently close guys in this 5 to $8 million range, right? Chris Dunn got two years, $10 million. Uh, Javon Carter got about $4 million. He's clearly worse than McConnell, so he's going to get more than that number. right? You could go through a lot of guards from last summer who you'd rate as bench guards who got about in this range. So that's where I start at with $7 million. Let's look at Let's look at something else. Before you commit to $7 million for TJ McConnell, because I think a lot of fans would do that. He's really, Again, he's really valuable to the Pacers. He's a good culture guy. He's a great locker room guy. Always jovial, always happy, always publicly supporting his teammates. I've never heard a bad thing about the guy. That matters a lot in this too. For a team that's gone through two straight seasons of, as Kevin Pritchard calls it, human management issues, having a guy like that is very valuable. And that might make him more valuable than McDermott to the team. Again, I don't know this stuff per se. I don't know what the Pacers are going to value in free agency, but I think that could have a lot of value. So let's look at the point guard market this offseason. Chris Paul, he's a player option. He'll opt out. Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, Goran Dragic, Dennis Schroeder, Patty Mills, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dante Exum, Lonzo Ball, Derrick Rose. That's a lot of guys who are pretty good, right? So if you need a starter, you're not getting McConnell anyway, but you're going to get one of those guys. If you need a backup, you might even end up with Derrick Rose or Lonzo or Exum. Or Spencer Dinwiddie could be your backup next year. He's been a sixth man with Brooklyn for a while. Let's say those guys are off the board. Then you got Ish Smith, Chris Dunn, Alfred Payton, TJ McConnell, Reggie Jackson, who's balling for the Clippers right now, making himself a ton of money, Austin Rivers, Ryan Archidiacono, uh, Devontae Graham, right? Cameron Payne, Jeff Teague. So there's a lot of quality backup point guards on the market this summer. And, I, and I, again, I get the value McConnell has to the Pacers, to other teams. I think other teams would love to have a guy like him. But let just pretend you think 
Jeff Teague is 80% of McConnell at this stage of his career. And I don't. This is just an exercise to, to explain this. There's probably You could probably get a minimum contract backup point guard who is about 80% of McConnell at $7 million. Now, that, that 20% matters a lot. There's a reason that it costs the amount more that the six million more that it does, right? That like the scaling of money versus impact is not linear. But you have to think about that kind of stuff as the Pacers, especially when you have Aaron Holiday and Edmund Sumner on your team who are going to be begging for minutes, especially with Jeremy Lamb in the fold, right? So that's another consideration that honestly is probably the biggest one for me in picking McDermott over McConnell is that they could probably get an, an Archidiacono who I think has a, a team option, so maybe he's back with Chicago, but or Raul Neto or something like that for a lot cheaper than McConnell that gives you quite close, not quite close, but a lot of what he gives you in terms of total impact. So that's where the $7 million scares me the most is that it would could potentially be a misuse of resources where like with McDermott, it's really hard to replace really good shooters, really hard, and, or expensive, right? We saw that last year with Harris and Bertans now, those two guys both stinking it up in the playoffs probably suppressed the value of shooting this offseason. But, you know, it's it's easier to replace. I think it's easier to replace just given the market McConnell's production than it is McDermott's. Even if McConnell was better for the Pacers last year and probably will be going forward, it's it's an allocation of resources thing. So I think there's a lot of external free agency factors between the fact that there's other quality point cards on the market and the, the bird right situation for McConnell that make it, I think that I'd, and the skills in general, that I'd prefer McDermott in the in the discussion here, but I would totally get the Pacers choosing McConnell, and, and I think it makes some sense. But his free agency is going to be very interesting, right? Lots of teams want a guy like that on their team. Like great locker room guys who can stabilize your bench and don't give you very often bad minutes, and you know, he, he'd fit anywhere, right? The Orlando Magic would kill to have TJ McConnell, and the Pacers would probably be very interested in bringing him back, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I would give him, if he asked... For three, for somewhere between 20 and 25, I think the Pacers would be smart to give him that. Uh, but it would also, you know, they'd have to think about, is that smarter than using their mid-level exception or is that smarter than keeping Doug McDermott, whatever. That's that's a different discussion, but that's a deal that I would do, right? If he, if he gets to three for 30, then I have to think about it. But his free agency will be very interesting. He'll be pretty in demand, I think, because the, uh, the flip side of there's a ton of backup point guard free agents or point guard free agents, like I just said, means there's a lot of teams that need a point guard because their point guard is a free agent. So we'll see where it lands with McConnell. I think his season was really good. Again, I think the Pacers would be happy to have him back. Like, if you go back a month, we posted the podcast with quotes directly from the players, including McConnell, on their thoughts on free agency and the Pacers. It sounds like he would like to be back. Again, he just had a kid, so he might be looking for a longer deal or some stability. Who knows what he wants, but I think he would like to be back. I think the Pacers would like to have him back. The question is, is it the right match? That depends on what you think of McDermott and the MLE and the other resources available at backup point guard. So that was a very long-winded segment about his free agency, but that's the kind of stuff I like to to break down in the offseason is is get the whole big picture. What do the Pacers really need to consider in this? So the off-court stuff it gives him a lot of value, and I think there's a good chance that he's back, but I don't know the exact chance, and I we'll see. Basically, we'll see. I'm my in summary shrug. We'll see, but uh, consider all those factors. Let me know what you think. If you'd like to see McConnell back on the Pacers next year on Twitter at LockedOnPacers or me at NBA. Thank you guys so much for listening. As soon as Rick Carlisle does his presser, we'll break it all down. If not, you can expect a Jakar Sampson season recap and free agency preview tomorrow. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great day, and we'll see you then.